Friday, and welcome to episode 80 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again in order to close out this week is Nick Rehack of French Toast Sunday. Welcome back, Nick. Thank you so much for having me. This is a bittersweet moment because I've had fun all this week, and I know that at some point the fun's going to have to end. Yeah, sorry about that. But, uh, you know, you should, you should look on the bright side. At the beginning of the week, we weren't sure if you were going to actually make it through the whole week. So That is true. Silver linings. So you're here. You're here. You, you, you made it to Friday. All right. Episode 80. Wow, we're, we're almost at an hour and a half through this movie, through this almost three-hour movie. We still have we still have another hour and a half to go. We actually have more than an hour and a half. We have we have 92 minutes left after, after this episode. So, wow. Mm. All right. Well, episode 80 begins with Goff coughing and then exclaiming, wow, and goes all the way till we get Hiltz walking over to a garbage can that's that's lying at an angle on a pile of wood or a piece of wood. So uh, basically yesterday we, we started with the uh, little distillery episode where we, we got to see the three token Americans of the camp deciding to use a trombone and create a distillery where they're, they're making some type of moonshine booze out of potatoes, which no one else can figure out what they're doing. Because, you see, what, what's even more interesting, we discussed this earlier in the week, uh, Nick, about the fact that Mac said that he hasn't been able to figure out what they're doing. Wait a second. Throughout the course of the day, nobody goes into the storeroom? Nobody. They would, wouldn't they see it running? There's no sheets. Well, they do have all those blankets behind them that they could cover up the contraption with. But if they're running around pulling wood from places to help better support the tunnels, this would be, to me, a room that they would go into. Yeah, unless unless this is like one of the, someone's room. Maybe this is where – no, Hiltz doesn't have a room because his room is in the cooler. Um, who knows? <laughs> what What's interesting is at – if you, if you look to, to the right-hand side of the screen at the, the very beginning of this, this minute and the end of yesterday's minute, it looks like it's a, they have a bottle rack there, you know, where you can put bottles of wine. It you see does what I'm a little about? bit, doesn't it? Yeah. I wonder – I can't really get a glimpse of what that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Apparently that they needed in this story. <laughs> <laughs> even, though, even though they weren't bottling this. Hmm. And I'm still curious as to what all the boxes are between the blankets and the brooms in the back there. It's got to just be To me, it looks like ammunition, but I don't think that's really what it is. It might be. <laughs> that would be really stupid of the Germans <laughs> if they gave them <laughs> ammunition. That or its materials to make a wicker basket, which they seem to have found, because that's what they end up taking all of the liquid from the still and putting it in a big glass bottle with which to put in a wicker basket. That's true also. Good point. Uh, no, the wicker baskets we see. That's that, that's where they dumped all the, the, the potatoes into, you know, when Goff came into the room yesterday. Mm. So the wicker baskets, baskets we know. We, we don't know where they're getting the jugs. Well, those are whisker, ba- uh, wi- whisker baskets. Those whisker. are. They look like barrels at first, but they are wicker baskets. Yeah, they made them out of cats. Whisker baskets. That's <laughs> why. <laughs> 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 That's why you only see dogs in the movie. There you go. <laughs> oh, very good. So, so at the end of yesterday's minute with the three of them getting uh, starting their uh, you know uh, uh, Coke Pepsi tape t- taste test, 
to try and figure out, uh, you know, whether whether this is good moonshine or not, even though we, we established that they're probably uh, dipping into a little bit of poison. <laughs> so, you know, uh, Hiltz gives his reaction, Henley gives his reaction, like after both of, them, both of them tasting a little bit on their finger, and Goff just jumped right in and said, I haven't had a drink in, in three years. <laughs> Give me a palmful. And put, sticks his whole yeah. hand under, <laughs> licks his palm, and gives a really, really big, uh, exasperating, wow, wow. He, he obviously had the biggest swig of them all. No question about that. And then, and then he takes his hand and wipes, wipes his hand on his pants. Did you notice that? Yeah. It's like, why waste it's, that uh, well, good booze? <laughs> <laughs> Cleanliness is key when yeah, it comes course. to these things. <laughs> well, actually, he... He's actually cleaning his pants by using. There the you methanol. go with all that alcohol. <laughs> so actually, Goff is smarter than we thought. <laughs> yeah, he's creating designer jeans. There you go. He's gonna stonewash them. <laughs> stonewash them without. There you alcohol. go. I could I couldn't think of what it was called. But you... <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> I, I don't know if one stonewall stonewashes with with alcohol. I always assumed that that, that that it was something else, but uh, you know, hey, if it works, that's, if you're in a prison camp and you need to do something, I, 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 I guess that that could work. God, that's funny. Oh my goodness, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so Henley and, and and Hiltz are now quite excited, and they both get up and start, you know, doing their mince meat where nothing's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> and and they're doing I still don't understand the what the point of that is. Exactly. They're, they're doing it quicker than before, and nothing's coming out. Unless unless yeah. there's liquid coming out, and we don't see the liquid. You know, maybe it's, maybe what they're doing is, is they're, they're straining the liquid there. Is that possible? Could be. But the potatoes, I mean, the sacks would have been leaking when they were brought in, and they would there would have been some type of comment, or we'd see it on his shirt, like you would have, you know, stains. But I, no, I but genuinely why? Why? No, don't. Why? Because, because if he takes the potatoes, and they're grinding up the potatoes, and using only the liquid from the potatoes. This well, wouldn't the potatoes be wet, though? Ah, wouldn't they be wet? Yeah, because uh, I, I, I don't think a dry potato would have that. It might have the littlest bit of moisture, but you'd really... Well, no, that's not the case, because if you look at an apple, apple's dry on the outside. That's true. Wet on the inside. That's right. It's got the, those, those natural juices on the inside. Those natural, yeah, okay. natural potato juices on the inside. Yeah, oh, they're getting all the uh, sugars and starches out. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. I think you're right. I think you're onto something. I think you're right. They're getting the liquid out. Yeah, but it, it, it doesn't look like anything's dripping, you know. So it, it's just a problem. It's true. <laughs> Wait, you didn't ask your brother who's a distiller how do you do this, or he just because I he didn't. Wouldn't, he wouldn't know because he uses you know modern methods. He doesn't need to use primitive methods to create it. He deals with malts and hops and not potatoes. Oh. Okay. <laughs> No, I also one of the things I, I I neglected to mention yesterday was is uh, with what I was reading, what you need is you need barley also. Now I don't know that we don't ever see them with barley. Hmm. And because you need some. Unless they beans. cheated and used some kind of grain, yeah, like a bread or something. Could be. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming they didn't give them fresh bread. They probably gave them stale bread. You know, the, the Germans got the fresh bread and the, whatever was left over the day after they gave to the prisoners. Probably, yeah. if they even got bread at all. Exactly. That's true. All we know is that everyone has their own cup. <laughs> Cups they have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Plentiful supply because, you know, metal is 
way less expensive than bread. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. So at this point, uh, the, the scene switches to uh, a, a later moment. Probably, I don't, I don't know how much later afterwards. Maybe two weeks later, because as we said, it takes two weeks to, to ferment it. But who knows? And we see that uh, Henley is carrying the, the wicker basket that we discussed earlier with a large bottle inside of it that has a cork on it. And he pulls off the cork and he picks it up. Now, if you pay attention, he picks it up in a really, really strange way. He picks it up backwards, like he's, he's backhanding it. I mean, he, I'm assuming he's doing that just to be able to get a little bit more of a grip on it, but it still just looks very strange. I, I would never think to pour something that way. Yeah, I would. would. Would you ever pour something like that? Oh, never. No, I would have done it the other way. That's that's different, but maybe in some weird way that's how he was taught. But again, I've never really had to pour something that big before. Yeah, it's been you relatively You never poured small. jugs of uh, moonshine in, in a prison camp? No, not in a prison camp. Uh, just And never that big either. More like two-liter bottles. But I couldn't imagine backhanding a, a two-liter bottle and that going well. <laughs> exactly. I think that would be very poorly. Right. My, my assumption here is, is this is also a prop. This is not a real glass oh, jug. Oh, for sure. Because that would be really, really heavy. He does good uh, acting, though, because uh, he, it looks like he strains when he picks it up. Yes, well, this whole scene does good acting because that's true. Because <laughs> he doesn't pour; he doesn't pour very much into there. You know, we see him pouring a little bit, but the, the swigs these guys take on it. Whoa, whoa, whoa! These are gentlemanly swigs. Each one of them, each one of them looks as if they drink the entire cup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a magic cup that 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 uh, you know constantly refills. You know, it reminds me of when I was a kid and I used to play Dungeons and Dragons. You know, you'd always have all these different type of spells. You know, where you can, uh, you know, have your, your canteen <laughs> filled all the time or, or uh, you know, your money, your, your, your uh, what's it called, your, your, uh, your money belt. You know, if you take out money, automatically, you you know, it, it gets refilled and stuff There's like that. There's some good spells. So here they have magic cups. That's right. They have, they have a magic cup that, that, that constantly refills the, the, the booze that, that, that you pour in for the first time. Because obviously the first time you have to pour it so that we can tell that they're actually drinking that and not just having a little cup of uh, tea with milk or something. Mm. You actually, you really, you pointed out something to me that I didn't notice until just now. When they get up after the initial him licking his palm and they go back to turning, when they come back after that, Hilt is wearing a different shirt. I thought all of that happened on the exact same night because the other two are very similarly dressed. It looks like Henley just put a a, a shirt back on, but Hiltz has something completely oh, different wow. altogether. So I thought it was like later that day, but now that I'm looking at his shirt, I'm like, oh no, some time must have passed because, huh. Now I'm just kind of curious as to how much time. Clearly enough yeah, time no, to get the poison out. Never be, <laughs> we'll never be able to figure that out. There's, there's no question we'll never be able to figure that out. But but I, I got to say, Nick, I, I, I threw that out without even noticing that they had changed their clothes. Oh. So so we, we both helped each other in this instance <laughs> because now I look back and I say, wow, yeah, you're completely right. They're, they're wearing different clothes. So it's it's not the same night. I just assumed it was later I, that evening because yeah. in, until, I, until I did research for this episode and – you know, I, I figured that okay, they made the booze all in one night. I didn't realize that you needed to 
ferment it for two weeks or whatever it is. So I wonder if they did, and they just got all excited and they came back. And man, that is wow! All yeah. I can say is wow. <laughs> wow! 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 <laughs> mm. Just like that, yeah. He, he pours the cup, and then he'll decides to take a swig, and once again we get a big wow. And you know he like winks as he's saying. Wow. He does too. <laughs> I just he said, it to Henley. Oh, he's just so also, cool. You know, he's as we said exactly. No question about that. As we said, they, this this is a great acting uh, moment for all of them because it really looks as if uh, Henley is also taking a very long swig of this. Of, of the, but there's no way that there was that much in that mm-hmm. cup. No. With what they what they what they uh, put in there, and he savors it. And he gives his wow also. And then they give the same cup to Goff, who apparently, you know, he takes it. He takes the, the cup very confidently, basically yeah. saying, oh, what do you guys know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got this. I know this. <laughs> I got this. I know it much better than you guys. And the two of them look at him, and he takes his big swig, and he starts coughing and coughing because it's so And he goes, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so... At that point, then the, the uh, apparently he did get the last bit of that uh, methanol poison. <laughs> he got the poison part. Everything <laughs> else was drank away. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> no, sorry. He gets what's, what was at the end. Remember, we said that that uh, there's the tails. The tails, yes. Which is which is which is also not drinkable. So that's <laughs> what he got. <laughs> and and then we get another uh, of those comic moments here, where where you have Hilts and Henley both looking at the bottle, saying, "All right, we did it." <laughs> It's just there's got to be an awful lot of pride, especially making something with your hands that benefits whoever it's going to benefit. But just to know that, like, yeah, I made this, and with the uh, materials that they had, who and who would ever think to use a trombone to turn that into a still in order to make alcohol? Yeah. Completely, uh, apparently, someone. Did. <laughs> whether it was whether it was John Sturgis or or, <laughs> or they just said, oh. The day that they were shooting that scene, they said, oh, I forgot to get pipes. Wait a second. Where's the guy with the trombone? <laughs> Let's rearrange that trombone and, and give us something there. Hey, we need your trombone, but I, br- I brought this from home. I thought, we'll get you a new one. <laughs> when, when we get back to the States, we'll buy you a new one. Yeah. <laughs> Here's $20. You can go to Sears. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, this is very, very interesting. I love it. Yeah, completely. And at that point, they put the cork back on the the, the, the jug, and they, they've had enough. And then we get a, a few seconds of the next scene where we see Hiltz once again in another shirt. This time it's a red shirt. Mm-hmm. He's he's he's, he's a, an extra on Star Trek. He's the red <laughs> shirt. <laughs> And he's a red shirt who actually lives. What do you know? It's, it's the paradox. I think it's that time traveling aspect. Right. There you go. <laughs> Very good. Could be. Uh, Hiltz is a time traveler from from the uh, was it the twenty fourth century? Where, is that when they are? I'm trying to remember. Where, where they're in Star Trek? I think he he actually escaped, he escaped from there in order to be able to make sure that he would live because <laughs> all the red shirts in that century get killed. So let's let's go back to 1944 where I, where I can escape and not get killed. Yeah. 
<laughs> and we see him walk around the walk, walk in the compound, and he walks over to a garbage can that is leaning on a log, which is very interestingly placed. Now, and then he, he pulls something out of his out of his hand, opens the the top of the of, of the trash can, and it looks like he's about to light a match. And that's pretty much the end of this episode. So, do you have anything specific you want to say about this this episode? No, I just i I like it. I I think the build up was fun, but I also I like, and we've touched on this a couple times through throughout this week, the score. I, there's something about the score when they're trying it out. It's got this little like xylophone thing, almost like this childish discovery experiment kind of thing. Like it, here's this sense of wonder, and then. They get into purpose with kind of the, you know, bombs and bombs. And then uh, it does the whole swelling up whenever they try to take a drink of it. And they let it play for comedic effect. And I, I don't know, the score, overall throughout the film, the score just adds to it. And I feel like they had to go through a lot of score for a nearly three-hour movie. And it could have just been something that they thrown away or just here's a couple generic phrases. But I think they really took the time to, like, kind of make it add and insert itself in little moments so I'm just I'm really happy to see that play in in different ways throughout the film. Yeah, well, Elmer Bernstein does an amazing job with the with the score here. There's no question about it. I mean, it's I know that, that at the time it it didn't really it wasn't nominated for anything with uh, when it comes to the music, but but in retrospect, it was nominated as one of the most popular movie scores because of the you know and one of the most noticeable ones. Because the, the the music here is amazing. I mean, I know that 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 I've heard that Bernstein created different uh, theme or sub themes for each of the the various characters in the movie. Really, and and you can you can you can definitely feel that. I mean, it, it's not on the same level that John Williams does in Star mm -hmm. Wars. No question about that. But it's still you can you, there there are different types of tones for different characters. I mean, uh, in one of the final weeks on this on this uh, podcast, which will be in months from now, because I think the end of February, so we're going to have a guest who she's a, uh, a P she's a PhD in music, so oh, wow. she'll be able to give us a lot of insight into what the music is trying to tell us in this movie, because the the music is so iconic. Here. That's very cool. There's there's no question about it. It's not you know as we discussed earlier in the week uh, about you know about the, the music on the bridge on the River Kwai, uh, Colonel, Bo Colonel Bogey's March, but uh, this is also a very popular theme song. It's, it might not be as easy to whistle <laughs> as uh, Colonel Bogey, but, but it's all, uh, you know, very recognizable nice. throughout. No question about that. So, so basically all week we've been talking about this movie, and one of the things that, that, that we mentioned at the very beginning was that this was the yes. first time you saw this movie. So I, I, I want to hear your perspective on things. First of all, you know, uh, have you ever – is there a reason that you – have you avoided this movie or just never got around to it or never knew that, that it might be something – I just I just never gotten around to it. Um, I've been dipping more and more into older cinema, and when I say older cinema, I mean, you know, 40s, 50s, early 60s. 
um, stuff that my grandfather was into, stuff that when I would go see him, he would have Turner Classic movies on and he'd be watching some film in black and white, usually something with Humphrey Bogart. He's a, he was a big fan. Um, but, I, you know, stuff like that, Bridge Over the River Kwai, some of these bigger David Lean-esque epics um, I've wanted to go and watch, and, and I just haven't seen it. It was cool to see the the cast list in this, too. Uh, I've been wanting to dig deeper into, you know, James Garner, Donald Pleasance, James Coburn. Um, so it was cool to see those names pop up. And, again, Steve McQueen, I'm not as familiar with his work as I feel I should be. And the more I watch this movie, I'm like, man, I really got to take the time and sit down and see, like, you know, you mentioned before, Bullet. Um, uh, what was it? I need to clearly rewatch The Magnificent Seven. Towering Inferno, that one too. Um, so it really, it was just a blind spot. And when you reached out to me, I was like, oh, this is a perfect opportunity for me to sit down and watch it. And I'm really glad I did. To be honest, I'm bummed I didn't see it sooner because I really, really enjoyed this film. I think it was surprisingly gorgeous at times. Um, I, I really dug the score. We've talked about that, like I said, on and off all this week. The performances were great. And as I watched it, Yes, it's long. It's three hours long, but I. Did you? Did you? That's feel the thing. That I really hours? didn't feel that. I didn't feel it. Felt like it was appropriate length because you're trapped in a prison. You kind of lose track of time and how long you've been there. You do that with this film, but not in a negative way. It's more of like, like whoa. It happens in casinos also. So yeah. Casinos and, and <laughs> casinos uh, and war. <laughs> you know, and prison camps. Are, uh, but it, uh, it <laughs> to me, it never felt like it, it dragged. I couldn't imagine cutting any particular moment or scene to make it leaner. I felt like everything had its place and its purpose. Um, and I really, it went in places I wasn't expecting it to go, which I also thought was great and appreciated. And I don't know, it was just, it was much better than I thought it was going to be because you hear about these big older classics and you watch them and you're like ah, it, it missed the mark for me or, or I, something was off because we've seen so much film nowadays that pulls from those and like oh I've seen that done before oh I've seen that done before eh. but there was just something really special about this movie and I really really enjoyed it oh wow okay well here I'll give you a little anecdote that I, that I, that I heard on when I was listening to the commentary by, by John Sturgis. So on the, when this came out on Laserdisc before Sturgis passed away in the 90s, so he did a oh, commentary wow. on it. And one of the things that, that was mentioned was the fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was, he, he's the one who mentioned it, that he, when, when, when he brought his final cut to the studio, the studio said, there's no way that we're going to be releasing a three-hour movie. you got to cut it down. And they said, oh, there's, there, there's that whole scene with the, uh, with the tailor showing how they make, you know, uh, where he's talking about all different fabrics. Eh, cut that one out. That's not needed. So he, he apparently cut that scene out and then showed it for a whole group of executives. And at the end, one of the executives came over to him and said, wow, this was such an amazing movie. I really enjoyed it. But my biggest question was, is where did they all get their outfits for the, for the escape? And then he turned to the executive who told him to cut it and said, we're putting that That's back awesome. in. That's awesome. I love moments <laughs> like that. Because, exactly. Because I what what I see in this movie is that it's basically a a, a building block movie. That all of the scenes that are at the beginning are needed in order to yeah. build up the story later on. So you can't cut anything out. Because even if it's mm -hmm. a short little scene, 
it's there to tell us something that we're going to need to know for later on. I, yeah, I, and it doesn't even have to be like and, in your yeah. face and big. It's not one of those like, hey, pay attention. Exactly. Like, like a trombone. <laughs> or, hey, look who has this particular item now that might come in handy later. Wink. It, Like you said, it builds the world and it informs on itself. So there's really no – I can't think of a question asked that wasn't answered in some way, shape, and form. Right. Completely. I completely agree with you on that. All right. Well, hopefully this will just be the very beginning of you beginning to uh, explore some some of the great classics that 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 you might be more entertained with. Than I'm you definitely going to make a uh, our viewers yeah, too. I'm our definitely going to make too. a stronger point to uh, put Bridge Over the River Choir at the top of my list for films to watch next. I, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it when you when you get to it. Absolutely. All right. Well. Thank you very much for no, Thank you so much for having me. It's been a very fun and fascinating Absolutely. week. I, I enjoyed having you on here. And uh, hopefully hopefully, uh, you, you've now become a fan of this movie and you're, you'll you'll now preach the gospel. Oh, I'm definitely going to spread the word. This was... <laughs> to get people to get people to listen to the podcast. You know, we, we want to get more people <laughs> to, enjoy it, to enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. The more the merrier. <laughs> of course. <laughs> exactly. All right. Great. So you want to once again tell people how they can get in touch with you? Now. Absolutely. Uh, catch me on Twitter at the Rehack T H E R E H A K. Uh, I have a little radio show. It's called Rehack Radio. You can find it on MixCloud.com. Every Tuesday, an episode drops. It's about an hour long. It's fun. It's fun facts. It's me. It's music. All around, it's a good time. All right. Sounds like fun. While you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcast that you might be using to listen to the show. You can find us on Twitter at Great Escape MXM. Our Facebook group is The Cooler. Our email address is greatminute at gmail.com. And our website is thegreatescapeminute.com. All right. Well, thank you once again, Nick. And hopefully all of our listeners will come back on Monday when we have a uh, new guest and uh, a, a bunch of new episodes. So until Monday, tally-ho. Tally. <laughs> oh. Wow.